And now this from the fifth chapter of Ephesians. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This is the word of God for the people of God. The man was a pastor. He had done good work. He had been faithful in his ministry, but he found himself struggling. He had been reading Scripture and praying and contemplating on this for a long time. He was troubled by capital punishment. He was not sure that it was in concert with the teachings of Christ, and yet he knew that his opinion of that would not be popular in his church nor in his community But finally, he came to the conclusion that, in fact, God was calling him to step out, to be a witness. He thought about, well, maybe I could go to the legislature. Maybe I should go to the Department of Corrections. Maybe I could do something in the court system. Maybe I should bring up something in my local church. But he was not really one that had ever been involved in politics. He didn't feel like starting or leading a petition drive. He didn't really want to be a part of a protest. So he continued to pray and discern. It was then that he learned that there was a man on death row in a prison not far from his home. He determined that if they would let him in, he would begin to visit the gentleman regularly. He went through all the paperwork that's required, and finally he was approved to enter the prison. So now, every other Friday, he goes and presents his credentials, signs the papers and the waivers, goes through the several locked doors to visit for one hour with a man who is on death row, convicted of murder, No appeals left, no hope of parole in front of him. In fact, really no hope at all, as the way the world sees it. And yet this pastor feels God is leading him to see the man, to bring the hope of the gospel and the promises of God. So he goes every other week to talk and to pray, to read some scripture, and to be a part of the life of this man Who's living in the prison. Bishop Snazy tells that story and then writes these words. It's a world he would never know and never consider entering if it were not for his relationship to Christ. Our text today puts it like this. Therefore, Be imitators of God as beloved children and live in love. Be imitators of God and live in love. It's no small task. It's such a lofty call that this passage puts before us. I believe this pastor that I just told you about is one faithful response to that call But it's not for all of us. It's not the only call. We know that we are all different. We have different personalities. We have different perspectives, different interests. We have different life circumstances. And yet, what the gospel say is that all of us are called of God. 
That God is at work in all of our lives. Our task is to figure out where God is leading us, where God is guiding us, and then to be faithful in response to that call. The therefore is the very first word of chapter 5, but it gives us a clue that something must have come before that. There must have been some other work already being done. It's rather a strange break, actually, between chapter 4 and this first part of 5 because all of these sentences go together. If you look back a few verses in your Bibles, you'll find a paragraph break. That's where this section starts. In my Bible, there's a subtitle that says, Rules for the New Life. It's talking about a new life in Christ. And then instructions began to be given to us as followers of Christ to give up anger, to not carry it past sundown, to give up stealing, idleness, and evil talk. And then in the very last two verses, as ours are numbered in our Scripture, it says this, Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander together with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. And then comes the therefore. So if you take the last part of 4 in the beginning of chapter 5, it would read like this. As God in Christ has forgiven you, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and live in love. What the Bible is saying is we can do this because God is with us. Because we have access to divine presence and power. The scripture is saying that because God has forgiven us, we can offer forgiveness, mercy, and kindness to others. God frees us from those behaviors that are listed here, those destructive behaviors, and therefore we can be imitators of God. Still no small task, but at least we're not trying to do it alone. The promise of Scripture is that God is with us and God can empower us to move into the future and to be, in fact, an imitator of God. Bishop Snazy writes in his recently revised book about these four women who got to the stage in life where all of their children were out of the home, either graduated and on to college or on to work. And they met with each other regularly over coffee to talk and socialize. And they began to talk with one another about what might they do now that they had a little more time. They weren't tending to children every spare moment. What might they do? Where, where might they go? What might God have them to do? And as they talked and prayed and contemplated and pondered, they finally came to a place where they decided they'd like to help children learn to read. They could be tutors. And so they all found this one-day training and signed up for would-be tutors, went through the literacy training to prepare themselves. Then they found a local church that was located in a place that it was close to some low-income housing and some schools that had really high dropout rates. They thought that might be the place. They got connected there. They began to go 
<clears throat> every Friday to talk with students and help them learn to read. But you know what they found? Not only students, but their mothers, some of them English language learners who needed some help. And so they began to tutor them as well. In that work, they began to find that not only was learning happening, but they were experiencing relationships. They were becoming friends. <clears throat> they were laughing and <clears throat> coughing and <clears throat> <clears throat> learning together. They realized their lives were beginning to be interwoven with the lives of these mothers and their children. When they began to look back on it, they realized that God was at work in all of that. That God was blessing them. That they were learning and growing too. Later, they agreed that they would have never entered this part of the world if it were not for their relationship with Christ. One of the women put it like this. I didn't want to do it. But God pushed me through the door. I receive more than I give. Now? Now I wouldn't trade my time with these young people for anything. The good news is that Christ loved us and gave himself for us. Once we receive that good news and that blessing, the call is for us to do likewise, to go and do likewise. So many great illustrations of people taking risks, stepping out in mission in our own family of faith. I can't share all of those stories that I know about, but I can share a sampling with you of a few of the ways people take steps to do risk-taking mission and ministry i think of our congregational care ministers this is a group of people in our own congregation who have trained to step into situations that can be very unsure they often go to hospital rooms to visit people who are dealing with illness or a recent diagnosis maybe facing death you never know when you're stepping into a hospital room what's going to be happening who else is going to be there? What kind of family dynamics are playing out? And yet we have these folks who have offered themselves to God and gone through training so that they can step into those situations and be the presence of God. Where they can listen. They can walk with people through pain, disillusionment, heartache, grief. They make themselves vulnerable. To step into those situations and let God work through them. It's a form of risk-taking mission. I think of our senior high youth recently went to Slidell, Louisiana. You may remember a few weeks ago I told you about that. I asked you to <clears throat> pray for them as they were going. They found themselves on a rooftop fixing and reinstalling a roof of a grandmother who had lost her daughter to death. And now, she'd taken responsibility for the children. <clears throat> After the death of the granddaughter, they had been dispersed out 
14 of them, eight of them back now with the grandmother. She's trying to hold them all together, and our people were there to put on the roof, to give them shelter, to provide the home that could be a safe haven for them as they go through this difficult time. It sounds like risk-taking mission to me on all different kinds of levels. I think of our adults who have recently taken a number of trips to Port Arthur, Texas. Remember Hurricane Harvey 2017? Great devastation along the southern coast of Texas. Now here we are two years later and there are still families who are waiting for someone to come help, to patch the roof, to get rid of the mold to install a wall or a floor, to bring an appliance. Our people have gone. They are the ones who have been there to help, to make a difference, to be the presence of Christ in difficult circumstances. God is working through them. I believe they're being imitators of God, living in love, sharing the message of Christ. I couldn't but help Think of our Sistema music ministry as Jose Luis, who's our executive director, leads that group. Hundreds of lives have changed, families whose lives have been touched. Oh, lots of music has been learned, but so much more than that has happened. Gifts and faith have been developed. Hope has been increased. Aspirations fueled through our willingness to step out and invite students who otherwise wouldn't have an opportunity to learn the great music of the world and to realize that they are gifted children of God now come here and have that experience. Or you might be thinking of our compassion dinner and worship that happens on Thursday nights here. It's for people who are seeking a church home and seeking Christ, but because of mental health difficulties have basically been banished from other churches. We invite them here to eat with us, and we have people who are willing to drive a van and pick them up if they need transportation, to come early to set up a table or to prepare a meal. We have others who come and serve the meal and serve as table hosts, others who come as musicians and liturgists and preachers so that the gospel can be proclaimed and this sacred meal can be offered and lives can be changed as we share Christ together in that setting oh it has some risk in it for sure when you walk into a setting like that it can be awkward but it can also be profound it can be a beautiful sharing of one life with another in the family of Christ I thought about one of our newest ministries it's called family promise it's a well-tested ministry in other parts of the country, but it's only recently come to Tulsa. We, with some other churches, have committed to this ministry. Our part of that is to provide shelter for one week, four times a year, for a family who's on the edge of homelessness. And this ministry is trying to keep them out of that downward spiral. We provide shelter for a week, provide one meal each evening, while they're doing job training or preparing resumes or going to job interviews, while they're learning about family dynamics and how to better manage their budget and their household, it provides great structure and guidance and direction and support. 
And our part, we get to represent Christ. We get to support them as they go through this process of getting their lives back on track and keeping their family together. It is a powerful ministry. You could be a part of it. It happens right here in our own building. There'll be another opportunity coming this summer. You can talk to Reverend Sarah Pugh Montgomery, who works with our work area on missions as they coordinate that, if you'd like to be a part of that or to find out more about how we do that. So many different ways where God is working through us to be the messengers of Christ. I hope it warms your heart and inspires your faith to know that God is working in so many different places. In our recent mission report, we were reminded that we have had over 3,000 people engage in mission work in the name of Christ over the last year. That is a lot. That is great celebration. That is wonderful. But I believe there's room for God to do even more amongst us. Another ministry that's just now beginning to take shape was one that began a couple of years ago when our district superintendent for our area came to see me and asked if we might help the United Methodist Witness be strengthened in the northern sector of our city. We have not done really well there. We need some help, he said. So I put together a task force and we began to talk about what we might do We looked at the demographics. We looked at what services were available. We looked at what the problems were, what the assets were. And through all of that, talked and discussed and discerned and prayed. And we finally decided, you know, we really need to be focused. We need to find a laser focus on one thing that we could work on. We've found that focus. We've now designed a plan where we can provide a portable dental clinic. Did you know there's a great unmet need for dental care in our culture, in our society, and in certain sectors of our city, no dental care available? We believe we can do this for free in a faith setting where we can be in ministry to people's bodies and souls. Our first partner in this was Centenary United Methodist Church. That's our United Methodist Church, just not far from here, but north of downtown on North Denver. Many of you will know their pastor, Reverend Keith McArthur. He's been an active member here at Boston Avenue before he went to serve as their part-time local pastor. We're working with them and other churches on the north side to have sites where we can set up this portable clinic and provide services for people in need. We're organizing a board led by our own Dr. Nicole Nellis, a dentist in our congregation. There are others who have committed. It's coming together in a beautiful way. People who really care, who want to make a difference, who are going to make this happen. We believe we can do this five days a week, and we're hoping to get it started before the end of this calendar year. I hope you'll join us in that and pray with us for that. And if you're interested in that, let us know. When I read an article this week, I was shocked. It said that $88 billion, billion, $88 billion was borrowed by Americans last year to pay for medical care they needed. Same article said there's 65 million people, our fellow citizens, who avoided recommended medical care because they believed they could not afford it. 
Now, dental care is only a small piece of that whole pie, and Tulsa is only a small sliver of the whole nation. And yet, if you've had a toothache or gum problem, you know you want nothing else while you're in pain but to see the dentist, to get the pain to stop. We think we can do something about that. We're just beginning. But we can begin to meet this need and provide a powerful witness for Christ as we do so. Oh, there's some risk-taking involved, no doubt. But I believe God is calling us, just as this passage says, to be imitators of God, to spread this message of good news, to be in ministry with people in all different circumstances. I think that's what brings the church alive and keeps it vital. Not only do we receive this good news of the gospel, but we are willing to share it with others. Before we close and move on into the communion liturgy, I want to read you one other quote from Bishop Snazy when he's talking about risk-taking mission. He asked this question, what's the opposite of risk-taking? Safe, predictable, comfortable, certain, convenient, fearful, These words do not describe the ministry of Jesus Christ who said, for those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will save it. And then he writes, congregations are not ends in themselves. They are resources God uses to change lives and transform the world. So I'll leave you with this question, something to think about and ponder as you wait your opportunity to participate in Holy Communion. What have I done in the last six months to make a positive difference in the life of others that I would not have done if it were not for my relationship with Christ? I've put it in your outline. It's printed there in your bulletin. It's something you might want to think and pray about. Amen.